Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast. Core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. It's the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. We're back this week with some more pearls from our Morning Report series. Just as a reminder, Morning Report is a long-standing Bellevue tradition where a senior resident leads a discussion based on a case they've seen. The feature that makes this conference a bit different, perhaps even unique, is that there are routinely a handful of senior faculty members, some of whom are full professors of emergency medicine, who show up and give their opinions on the case, the management, and help to drive the learning forward. It's a fantastic opportunity to hear how some of the giants in EM would take care of cases and to see the differing opinions and thoughts. Each of these cases has multiple learning points, but often there are only truly a couple of critical ones, pearls that can become easily lost since only a small number of learners are present to hear them. The goal of this podcast series is to keep track of some of these pearls and disperse them throughout the EM community so that we can all learn from these amazing clinicians. The first set of pearls comes from one of our PGY4 residents, Tim Gallagher. Tim discussed the case of a patient who presented with fever, neck pain, and difficulty swallowing. The differential here is wide, everything from the benign viral pharyngitis to a PTA to epiglottitis or retropharyngeal abscess, and finally to our actual diagnosis, Ludwig's angina. Ludwig's angina is a rapidly progressive cellulitis of the submandibular space that can rapidly lead to airway compromise and death. Patients will often have trismus, complain of voice changes, or an inability to swallow even their secretions. The submandibular area is swollen and has a woody induration to it. In advanced cases, you can see crepitus as well. Patients will often have the tongue protruding or sit upright or in the tripod position to maximize the size of the airway. The key with Ludwig's, as with many rare, life-threatening conditions, is to suspect it. In any patient with submandibular swelling, it has to be considered. Though it's tempting to take the patient to CT for definitive diagnosis, this is a clinical situation. You have to make the diagnosis based on your clinical presentation. If there's any signs of airway compromise, you should hold off on the scan. Lying the patient flat can be extremely dangerous, and delays in getting your surgical consultant on board can be disastrous. Early airway management should be considered as well because airway compromise can occur quickly. Awake fiber optic or even awake standard laryngoscopy should be considered. Of course, if you've got ENT in-house, rapid movement to the OR may be the safest way to progress. A crike may be difficult if you can't intubate from above because of the neck swelling, so having a surgeon on standby for trach is a good idea as well. The second set of pearls again comes from one of our PGY4 residents, Mike Coffer. He discussed a case of a patient who presented with fever, myalgias, and generally feeling unwell. The patient ended up having endocarditis. Endocarditis is a tricky diagnosis to make as the presentation is often nonspecific. Now, you may get lucky and see the patient who's the IV drug user who's got fever and a murmur, but that case is easy to pick up. Many patients are going to have much more subtle presentations, so again, we have to consider this disease to make the diagnosis. Jacob Avila did a fantastic post on infective endocarditis that you can find on our site, and we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. I also saw a great lecture recently by David Carr on the topic. I'm going to combine take-homes from all three of these. Now, some cases, again, are going to be easy. If the patient has a prosthetic valve and a fever, assume it's endocarditis. It's easy to outthink yourself, but don't fall for it. These patients are high risk for endocarditis. Carr stresses to consider endocarditis as well in any patient with the fever plus syndrome. This means fever plus stroke-like symptoms, fever plus midline back pain, fever plus a new heart failure, fever plus a new heart block. These are high-risk presentations. 
In Jacob's post, he stresses the need to consider the disease in any patient with bacteremia without a clear source. Don't just rely on a couple of WBCs in the urine or the vague opacity on a chest x-ray. If the patient's symptoms don't match the findings, go hunting. And that means you're going to get a bunch of blood cultures, at least three sets, and get an echo. While the diagnosis can be made on transthoracic echo, it can't be ruled out by TTE. TEE is going to be your diagnostic modality of choice. Finally, we've got a set of pearls on penetrating neck trauma, again from Mike Coffer. The classic teaching in penetrating neck trauma is that if the platysma isn't violated, there's no worries. However, sometimes it can be hard to tell if you've gone that deep. When in doubt, assume that the wound is deeper and approach it from that perspective. Unless you are 100% sure that the wound hasn't penetrated the platysma, do not probe the wound. If it's deeper than you thought, you can disrupt a clot that's formed or worsen the injury. Depending on where the penetrating injuries are, there are many structures in the neck that can be affected. Everything from the great vessels like the subclavian, the carotid, or the IJ, to cranial nerves, to the esophagus, and the trachea. When you're examining a patient with a penetrating neck injury, focus should be on looking for hard and soft signs of injury. Hard signs are airway compromise, air bubbling from the wound, an expanding or pulsatile hematoma, active brisk bleeding, shock, the absence of a radial pulse on the same side, a vascular brewery or thrill, hematemesis, and any neurologic deficit. If any of these are seen, place direct pressure to stop any bleeding, secure the airway, and get the patient to the OR. If none of those signs are present, look for soft signs of injury. This includes sub-Q emphysema, dysphagia, non-pulsatile and non-expanding hematomas, venous oozing, and paresthesias. If you see soft signs only, you can proceed to CTA for further evaluation of potential injuries. The Western Trauma Association has a fantastic free open access article on this topic, and we'll drop a link to that in the show notes. Three morning reports filled with great pearls. Let's review those one more time. In patients with atraumatic neck pain, consider Ludwig's angina, particularly if they have any swelling, fever, trismus, or respiratory difficulty. Consider early airway management for these patients and get your consultants involved early for operative management. Endocarditis is a tricky diagnosis and will often be subtle. Any patient with a prosthetic valve and a fever has endocarditis until proven otherwise. Suspected in any patient with fever and a murmur, get lots of cultures, and remember that TEE is the gold standard, but TTE is highly specific as well. Finally, penetrating neck trauma. Patients with hard signs, airway compromise, ongoing brisk bleeding, an expanding or pulsatile hematoma, neurologic compromise, shock or hematemesis should go directly to the OR. And remember, don't probe the wound. That's all for the Coriam podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coriam.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a post up on Wednesday and a journal update up this Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google+, and on Twitter, where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week.